What is a physician liaison and why should I have one or more than one? Kelly Knott is the co-founder and VP of marketing for the healthcare marketing agency Intropy. She's a highly experienced physician liaison and has a background in consulting for medical practices and health systems on how to build new patient referrals and create digital marketing strategies. She developed the first-of-its-kind online physician liaison training platform, Physician Liaison University. It is designed to help physician liaisons become more effective at driving new referrals and streamlining training for hospitals and private practices. For physicians just starting out in practice, we talk about how to best utilize your time when meeting referring physicians, as at the start, you will be your own liaison. And then we discuss how best to guide your physician liaisons in order to increase your referrals, what metrics can be used to find how successful your program is, and to provide incentives. Welcome to the Physician's Guide to Doctoring, a practical guide for practicing physicians. Dr. Bradley Block interviews experts in and out of medicine to find out everything we should have been learning while we were memorizing Krebs cycle. The ideas expressed on this podcast are those of the interviewer and interviewee and do not represent those of their respective employers. And now, here's Dr. Bradley Block. Kelly Knott, thanks so much for being on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. I'm pretty excited to talk about this today. So let's start off with your origin story. How did you become a physician liaison and how are you building your business? And and just tell us about your business. Oh, well, I became a physician liaison, just kind of, I call it thrown to the wolves, <laughs> directly out of college and was joined in a, it was a large ENT practice and there was another liaison and, and she was directing the program and they were expanding and they needed help. And I was, you know, I grew up in the healthcare world. I come from a family of physicians. My mom's a medical illustrator. So I was constantly you know, in uh, waiting rooms and stuff as a child. So being in front of physicians was pretty natural for me and I loved marketing. So I thought it was a pretty great fit. And I started and I just really was like, this is a whole new world for me. This is amazing. I get to go out. I don't have to be stuck in an office. I can be in my car. I manage my own day. And I always thought that I play a role in all of this. You know, <laughs> I have a part to play in, in connecting these physicians and, and benefiting their patients. And I quickly just fell in love with it. But I felt like the world of physician liaison marketing was very small. And there were limited resources for physician liaisons like myself who had just started. You know, I was trained by the woman above me, but we had one week of training and then I was on my own and there was no manual. There was no library of resources. There was no information that I could go to, to learn, you know, well, what if I can't get past this gatekeeper or what do I say in this situation? Or how am I really supposed to construct this message? And I realized that in that moment, there just needed to be more information available for physician liaisons throughout the year and more support. I mean, we just weren't connecting or talking to each other and that was our whole role. So I quickly, in that position, I was promoted very quickly, like within three months to be the director of the entire program. I think I increased their sales by millions of dollars in my first nine months. And and I started doing it by implementing these actionable steps and how I was going to control the program, how I was going to read the data, how I was going to build strategies. And then I was training uh, a physician liaison underneath me on my steps. And I thought, this is a genius idea. What if we 
could share this information, not only with other liaisons, but with other physicians out there and specialists looking to build referral relationships. And we could do it with the step-by-step process. And that's where my healthcare marketing agency came into play. And most importantly, Physician Liaison University, which is my online Physician Liaison training course. It's the first ever. And um, yeah, so now Physician Liaisons can get the training anywhere from any time. And the best part is if you have new people joining your team, everyone's trained the same and they can start right away. You don't have condensed training. You don't have to wait for expensive travel or seminars. So my goal was to connect liaisons across the country so we could open this conversation. We could say who we are, what we do, and stop getting that question of what is the physician liaison? (laughs) You know, what does that do? What do you do? So I tried to build this online community so that liaisons, like when I started, could feel they had somebody else going through what I was going through. You feel very alone. You're isolated. It's not a traditional work environment. There's a lot of you know creative ways you're trying to pr- bring value for physicians. And, and with my online community and physician liaison university, they're able to connect and share insights, their challenges, tips. And then, of course, I'm there every step of the way with ongoing training and support and live Q&As to help them troubleshoot through the course. So that was really my goal, uh, Brad, was to just kind of Bradley, was to just kind of um, make sure that I built a community, but I also was able to provide that training and resources and library of information that I felt when I started just wasn't available. So it sounds like you started out by, you were told, yeah, just, you know, wing it, just get out there and, you know, talk to people. And you turned around and said, well, I need to be more pragmatic about this. We need to, I need to figure out what works and what doesn't. And, and so after you got that, figured that out and exploited any resources that were available, you, you, you systematized it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I kind of got the idea from two sides and, and medical reps and pharmaceutical reps, they go through pretty rigorous training processes. And that just doesn't exist for physician liaison, but it should exist because it is a step-by-step process. And we have to create value. We are not medical physicians. And if the specialists themselves can't be there and we're there to represent them, we have to figure out how our role is going to play into creating value for that referring physician. And that involves a step-by-step process and not only learning that value, but identifying those needs and wants. And then of course, crafting a very unique message. And, And I thought, we can definitely provide a training system here that can teach liaison so they don't have to ask these questions anymore and if what I'm doing is working. For the physicians out there, when we are first starting out in practice, we do have time on our hands. I know when I did, you know, I, I wasn't on all insurance plans yet since that was such a laborious process. I so I had, <laughs> And I was barely seeing any patients. I had a ton of time on my hands. So I was able to actually be the person to go out to the office. And so right. what happened was I went out there one of my senior partners told me to hang out in the ER. All right. <laughs> so they would consider sending patients to me. Right. Just hang out there. I'm sure you'll meet somebody. <laughs> yeah. They, they don't. They just recommend the doctor who's on call that week. So they have a system. Right. They stick to their system. He also suggested that I hang out in the physician's lounge. The only people in the physician's lounge are usually longer in the tooth, as it were. <laughs> so their referral patterns are set. They're not interested right. in chatting with some uh, some younger doctor. And then when I tried to go to the offices, it was kind of the same thing. They were super busy. They have their referral patterns. They really weren't interested in, in changing them. Yeah. I, I really only moved the needle on one doctor and I'm not sure. And she's a solo practitioner. Thank goodness. She still sends me patients <laughs> and half years later, but that was it. Right. Right. But it was a lot of wasted time. What 
did I, where did I go wrong? How could I have better for the younger physicians out there who are new to an area and they want to let the area doctors know that they're out there and they're seeing patients, who they are, what they can offer, what should they do? And what did I do wrong? You asked such a great question. So first, you are definitely not alone in that scenario. And I love that you brought up that this is pretty common for new physicians, even joining existing practices, but maybe, you know, want to make sure that other referring physicians know their specialty or fellowship and the unique way they treat patients. First, I don't think you did anything wrong by trying to hang out, but I think we could better use your time. My biggest advice for new physicians is doctors are natural trainers and teachers, but we need to get out there. And you had the right instincts about going out and meeting with referring physicians. The problem is you can feel a little bit uncomfortable as far as what am I supposed, I don't want to sell myself or market myself or I've done a survey with physicians like yourself and across the country on, you know, do they want to meet with other referring physicians? If a referring physician were to come into your office, do they want to meet them? And I think where a lot of physicians go wrong is they get maybe uncomfortable in that situation and they don't plan or strategize the exact targets they need to see. Maybe they'll see one or two in a day. And really you need to spend the time first creating a strategy on who your top referrals can be, who your mutual referrals can be, and who you refer to. And doing it in a certain territory and radius on how you're going to see all these doctors. And then second, always wear your white coat when you're walking in to meet another physician. It's so important because sometimes the staff is really confused and they don't understand who's walking in and why they need to talk with their doctors. Oh, but I feel like such a dick when I wear my white coat. Like I just, it just makes me so, I don't know. It's just, I wear it all the time in residency. And as soon as I finish residency, I just wanted to set them on fire. And in you, you bring and probably up for, exactly. for, for, for infection control reasons, I probably should have. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. No, you bring up such a funny point because so many of my physicians say that, you know, I really, I feel like a jerk when I walk in with my white coat. It's not the white coat being like a jerk. It's just a quick way to avoid any kind of confusion or save time. As far as if you are a colleague coming to visit a colleague's practice, we did an experiment with the physician down in Miami where one day we had them wear the white coat. And one day we had her not wear the white coat. And we had a hundred percent success rate the second day. And we only had a 50% the first day. For some reason, it registers in the front desk, in the staff's mind, more on the area, less sales, and more colleague relationship. So my biggest tip, yes, I know you feel like a jerk, but you've got to wear your white coat. They need to know you're a physician and you're talking about patient care so that they can let you back for their physician. And they won't think that it's weird. They just assume we wear it wherever we go. Yeah, absolutely not. And always have your cards in your pocket. I wouldn't even start a long conversation with the front desk. Introduce yourself. This is what I say to my physicians if you're on your own, you know, hi, I'm Dr. Block. I'm coming from, you know, ENT down the street. Here's my card. I wanted to know if Dr. Jones is available. I want to talk to him about either, you know, a condition, a patient or a symptom, X, Y, or Z. I just kind of being really straight and forward and, and trying to lose more of the bubbly side of it, I think helps physicians because you're not selling yourself at that point. You're just kind of asking for their time. That was and- never a problem. I, d- I really don't have a bubbly side. <laughs> Well, I don't think you're alone in that. There aren't a lot of bubbly physicians out there, but I think they get confused on what am I supposed to say now that I've walked into the office and am I supposed to bring them treats? Am I supposed to buy them lunch? And my other tip is no, you don't have to do that. You really don't. You just need to be pretty clear and direct on your role and then why you're there and how it benefits their patients. And I really think, I mean, and correct me if I'm wrong, but physicians appreciate 
talking about mutual patients and patient care and how you're going to benefit the patient, I don't think that practices and physicians appreciate, you know, selling, promoting, or advertising. And as a new physician, marketing your services, that's the easiest part. You don't have to sell, promote, or advertise. You're just saying, hey, I wanted to put a face to a name. I'm right down the street. If you're seeing patients who are suffering from chronic sinusitis or sinusitis headaches or epistaxis, we can get them in really, really quickly. I can see them same day. Here's my cell phone number. I just wanted to introduce myself. And I think keeping it simple, short, and sweet, having the confidence, creating a plan beforehand with your specialties, your mutual referrals, and who you refer to, and of course, wearing that white coat. <laughs> and I think the bringing lunch cheapens things a little bit, and then it it gives them this sense like they have to now talk to you, whereas... So it might even change their psychology, whereas, oh, it's a referring doctor. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll talk to them for a couple of minutes. If you bring them food, then it's more like, oh, now I have to talk to them. And it changes something in their thinking about the obligation versus, you know, they're doing this out of choice. Oh, you're speaking my language. Yes, yes, yes. I That is exactly what I teach my liaisons and physicians. And you just brought that up as a physician. I honestly, it's not the best use of your time. And, and you ba- you barely get any time in the day to begin with as a physician. And and you get a little bit of that free time and now it's taken away and you have all the staff around you as well. And there's a lot going on. So it even kind of muddles the conversation, I feel like, for physicians to be candid or direct or patient specific even. I think these quick meet and greets or office visits, if the time is given, are just the most effective. You don't need an hour of the physician's time. It's all about just, you know, building that relationship face-to-face, letting them know how you can help, and of course, introducing yourself. And I think physicians appreciate the time that you take out of clinic to do so and, and come to them and make it easy. And and liaisons as well. Why I don't really preach lunches and treats, and I'm not a fan, I always say, earn your way back, don't bribe your way back. Because I think it also, like you said, puts you in a sales relationship or a a medical sales or pharmaceutical sales relationship. And we have to remember to differentiate ourselves um, so that they understand the relationship as well and how we can help. There was something that you mentioned earlier about, I think it was like low hanging fruit uh, in terms of referring physicians. That, That wasn't the term you used, but you know, how do we identify where we should go? So we're using our time efficiently, like which physician offices should we be choosing and why? That's a great question. So for new physicians with a brand new practice, you're not going to have referral referral data history. It's not going to exist if it's your own practice and you just started. And I think the best way for you to identify who you're going to visit. Well, most most people are going to be joining existing practices. Okay. The, the day of hanging up a shingle and starting yourself are over. Okay. Okay. Well, I was going to say, because that's a totally different approach. So if you're an existing practice physician, most importantly, this is about building a really strong and strategic approach. And you want to dive into that data, that referral physician history data. Now there are softwares out there. And if you have the budget and the manpower, I highly recommend it. They even give you competitive analysis. You can see everyone who's been referred for sinus surgery in a certain area, even your competitors and who's referring to them. So are you, are you going after people who are already referring to your practice or people that tend to refer to other practices? So I'm doing two things. I'm pulling my data, whether it's through softwares, EMRs, or claims data to identify the physicians who are referring and the procedure codes they're referring as far as 
So I understand their referral pattern history. And then I'm going to identify those specialties so I know if there's potential with other referring physicians in the area that are that specialty, that fit that mold, that are not referring. So it's definitely a balance of visiting existing physicians is very important that already refer because they can refer more, I promise. (laughs) So that's that low hanging fruit. And then it's also understanding what patterns in the point of referral that they send that you can create and craft a message to target maybe other physicians and similar specialties or have similar patients and how you can connect the dots there in a referral and create new physician referrals. And it's important to see, maybe you have a referring practice that one physician out of 10 refers. So you know they have the patients, they just don't all know about you. So it's really important to kind of identify those trends because you want to see, is there more potential or possibility with existing referral relationships? And then you want to see how you've been successful in cultivating those relationships and you can apply it to physicians who may not be referring. So dive into the data, not only mark down who's referring, who's not referring, but pay attention to those procedure codes and the number of referrals because that can really help you understand how you need to craft your message and help other physicians in the area. And something that we were talking about beforehand, before we started recording, was I think it's important for people to identify pain points of their referring doctors. And the most common one is my patients just aren't being seen quickly enough. So, you know, being a new physician with an empty schedule, make sure you make the point that that I will, I will get your patients in quickly. I will be able to see them in. So you can keep referring to who you're typically referring to. I'm not trying to change your referral patterns, although really you are. I just, you know, I can take care of those patients that you feel like need to get in now. And then, and then you know, you prove your mettle. You prove your worth by making those patients evangelists that then go back to their referring doctor and tell them how amazing you are. Oh, absolutely. And and that's such a good point. So when I teach my students in Physician Liaison University is we call it the referral validation um, process and it's a step-by-step process, but it's about identifying the needs and wants of a referring physician. Like you said, there are certain things that convert a referral and that that need to be in a message. So if you're willing to give your physician's cell phone number out, if they've given you approval to another physician, if they're willing to do physician buy-in and spend time, if you have an insurance list, that's really easy, light, quick, just a simple piece of paper. Don't overcomplicate it with the main insurances they need to know as far as who you see and how they can contact you if they have more questions. We always talk about, like you said, accessibility and availability. If you are right down the street in the building, make sure you're mentioning that because that can affect referrals. And make sure, like you said, if you're getting impatience quickly, say it. Say it right out of the gate and say how you're going to do it. And are there ways you can improve referral systems? Are you going to make it easy for them either with referral pads, referral systems, or even providing contact information with schedulers and coordinators so that they're not on a phone from department to department trying to get their patients in. And um, like you said, those physician pain points, and we call it, you know, identify the needs and wants. Do you understand what value you can bring a referring physician in that moment? And how are you going to talk about it? So once our practice is up and running and we're really humming and we don't have time to make those visits anymore, that would be the time to take more advantage of a physician liaison if your practice has a physician liaison. From the physician side, how can we best direct those physician liaisons? What information should we be giving them? What should, how should we be educating them? Clearly telling them that it's okay to give out our cell phone number should be on that list. What, what are the most important things that the physician's li- liaisons need to hear from their doctor? Yes, great question. So I say the more time with your 
physician, the better the liaison. So my first advice and biggest advice to physicians that are now bringing on physician liaisons is invest in training them on the clinical side, not to be clinicians, but as far as have them shadow you in certain procedures, services, or surgeries, and even in clinic so that they can hear how you communicate with your patients. They can see more of the medical side of it. And it also creates a bond between the two. And when you get to hear a physician communicate to a patient how symptoms, conditions, and treatments are, when you hear the vocabulary, the terminology that they're using to talk about continuing care, and then of course get to visualize some of these services and surgeries, it really kind of shapes the mind and the liaison to truly understand kind of their part in all of this. What part do we play as liaisons in all of this? So the more time with the physician, the better. And physician liaisons who have authentic relationships with the physicians they represent are the most confident liaisons in the field. And that way they're able to build those relationships. And I think it's about spending time with your liaisons. Have them shadow services, surgeries, and clinics, even with your mid-levels and other members of the team. It's a full understanding of what's going on, even on the clinical side, as well as internal staff. And then, of course, spend that time with them in the field as well. Make sure you're reserving a little bit of time with them because that car time together is where they get to ask questions with you. And when they see you interact with referring physicians, you may be saying something that they were unaware of that they could talk about or bring up, or they may have questions about a certain term that you used or a medication that the other physician brought up that they want to better understand on how that plays a role in physician referrals. It's more time with your physician liaison. Schedule at least two weeks to four weeks of making sure they're shadowing and learning the clinical side. And then of course, Support them in any way you can by providing them with interview questions. And I tell my liaisons, you know, interview your physicians. Ask them all the questions you need to ask them about patients. Soak up what they're saying. And then, of course, if you have the time, try to reserve some time, maybe an hour to two hours once a month to just get in the car with them and meet with three or four physicians to show that you're supporting them as well. And, and my recommendation would be make sure you know not only their name, but their spouse's name, their kids' names, yeah. their parents' names, their pets' names, their <laughs> birthday, the things they like to do. Because if you know all of those things, then that means that you care about them and they will then care about you and what you do. And that will be reflected in their work. These aren't hard things to do, but if you don't know, if, if you don't know those things, um, they're not going to do, their, their work isn't going to be as good. Well, so, and you bring up a good point too, even as a leader and invest in them and they will see it. And when they feel like they're an invaluable asset to their program, the more confidence they have, the better results they can drive. And I mean, my physicians that I represented as a liaison were at my wedding. You know, we built really strong connections and relationships together because I think we supported one another. And like you said, we put in the time together to build and grow, but also get to know, get to know them on a personal level. Do you have any tracking tools for your physician liaison activities? And if you do, what, what are those metrics that you're tracking? Yes, good question. So tracking is a big question with physician liaison marketing. And like I said, I think this world is a little bit untapped to begin with. But here's my tip, guys. On, I, on my website, kellynott.com, I have a menu called Toolbox. And there I try to share some recommendations on different types of tools and resources that I use in the field as a liaison, one of the biggest ones I use is called Badger Mapping. 
And you can find that on my website or go to Badger Mapping. And, and that's really great because liaisons, like I said, our car is our office. So we don't want to spend all that time hustling in the field, building relationships to then come back and work extra hours in front of a computer in an Excel spreadsheet trying to put in the information. And on top of that, it's not as effective because it, it can't filter through specialties, targets, territories, doctors, you know, et cetera. So I use Badger Mapping a lot. It's not actually a CRM, but it's a tracking tool. And what's really great about it is you can also put in your, you could filter it. If you said, only today I want to see pediatric physicians in this territory, it'll pull all the pediatric physicians in that territory, whether you have them in your account already. And they'll also identify new physicians in the area. So you can add them to a route, which is crazy good guys, because as liaisons, we need to be effective and productive with our time. So I optimize my routes and I put these physicians in, I put my address, my start and my end address, and I optimized it. So I always know where to go next. If a office is closed, I just go on to the next one. I can filter by specialty, by physician. I can add notes in real time. It aggregates their address. So you can even use it as a map if you needed to. Cell phone numbers, you can add all the practice VIP information, emails, and of course, notes and reminders to follow up and what you need to follow up and what you need to bring. And you can send that information with one button. You can hit export and send all of that to your executive team so they know where you've been and what you've been doing. And you can even assign territories to other team liaisons. Um, so there's no overlap. So that's something that I use. I love it. It's very affordable as well, which is a big part for liaisons. But it's really improved not only my time in the field, how I track my information, and it's helped me find new targets and new physicians and, and new territories. How, how would you define a successful office visit? Oh, a successful office visit is when you're able to get face-to-face -face with a referring physician and talk about something in specific to their patient care and then get to follow up really quickly with the patient referral. So for me, when I get to walk into an office, I hand my card to that front desk individual. They go back and hand it to their physician and that physician says, yes, they're going to speak with me. I'm already ecstatic because I know that I took control of my marketing program and the front desk wasn't the one deciding if the physician's going to meet with me, the referring physician was the one deciding. And then when I get in front of that physician, if I'm able to deliver real value as a physician liaison and, and identify specific needs and wants that's going to relate to the referral process or ways that my specialists themselves could take action or help see those patients, it's a big success. And I love when we get to interact back and forth and I can answer specific questions, maybe even that relate to a certain patient, maybe with a comorbidity or a condition that they may have questions on if my specialist not only is willing to see them, when they can see them and how they can get in touch with them. So I'm always pretty giddy when I can give them uh, my physician's cell phone number or be able to answer, answer really targeted questions on patient care. Yeah, it's that instant feedback, like it, it worked, yeah. it worked, it's working. Yeah. When we can avoid the like, thanks for the information, I appreciate it. And we can talk about something more specific. I'm all, I'm all about it. <laughs> Do you have any incentives in place for your liaisons? That's a really good question too. I, um, I offer physician liaison consulting and a lot of that actually comes with, you know, part of your question about managing liaisons. Yes, liaisons can have incentives in place. There are regulations, of course. You want to make sure that liaisons are working towards an overall goal in patient care, but aren't rewarded per patient referral. And that's something that's really important because you don't want motives to be changed as far as 
you know, it's not exactly ethical to have a physician liaison rewarded per patient per referral, you know, each time or something like that. Because you don't want to take away from the overall goal of, of benefiting the patient. But there are ways you can give incentives to liaisons and um, there are incentive structures you can use um, because liaisons manage multiple tasks. And as a business and a program, there's definitely ways you can do that. But you can also let them know about flexibility and scheduling. Part of being a liaison means you may not always work nine to five. And sometimes you're definitely not working nine to five. You're working late hours or really early in the morning because if you want to speak with a physician and they say yes, but here's when I'm going to talk. I have surgery in the morning. I'll call you at 5 a.m. You have to be you know, either in that meeting or with them at 5 a.m. because they're giving you that time. So sometimes I tell physicians just a little bonus as well as don't be afraid to give liaisons a little bit of extra time off. We also work weekends and events and healthcare booths. And I always felt like my employers were really good when I was a liaison in the field on communicating with me that if I needed a few extra days, you know, around Christmas time or summer, I never felt, you know, nervous or uneasy about being able to ask them that because they knew how hard I worked, you know, late night hours, early hours and weekends. And I think that's a great way as well beyond, you know, bonus structures and ways you can do it on a revenue basis, but you can also do it with creating flexibility in the work schedule and allowing these liaisons to feel comfortable. So it doesn't sound like you're able to really give an incentive based on any type of a metric. No, you definitely can. You just want to make sure that it's structured uh, in a really great way. So what I'm saying is you don't want it to be like a medical sales type relationship, but you do want to create a revenue structure incentive program that both you and the liaison are aware of that have benchmarks and goals, but that aren't so targeted per patient. Um, And those are the structures that I build with some of my clients as far as we could do quarterly incentive programs so that liaisons not only are part of the tracking and measuring the efforts, but they have some bigger goals that they can reach on a revenue level that could be a huge incentive for them in working there and growth for their own career. I'm not really sure that's a Stark Law violation, though, if you're incentivizing your liaison based on referrals. You know, the the Stark Law is more like, you know, I can't get paid by a GI doctor for all the patients that I send to them. That is a, that is clearly illegal. Yeah, Um, exactly. But, but but I'm not really sure that works for the physician liaison, although it might, you know, I'm not. No, no, no. It's not as much a Stark Law thing as I think I want my referring physicians to understand that the liaison themselves isn't as motivated as far as like a sales relationship. Yeah, yeah. If you take that away, it it, it takes away from the relationship. And I definitely do have incentive program structures based off revenue goals and referral growth roles. So there are numbers and metrics out there 100%. So if the practice is doing better, then they do better. Yes, absolutely. In fact, that's super common with programs and hospitals. There's a lot of annual incentives as well as quarterly incentives and metrics on percentage of growth that a liaison can bring in and how they can financially benefit from that for their program. But I just always want to make sure that if you structure it in the proper way, you never have that worry from the referring physician side on on the relationship building side. How would you recommend handling a tough conversation with a physician? So you get in there and they are stone cold. You're not getting any type of feedback from them or, you know, they're questioning your motive or they're questioning the the fact that you're even there. I already have a referring doctor that I send to and that I'm happy with what, you know, what can you do? They're confrontational. How do you recommend to your liaisons that they handle difficult conversations or difficult people? 
That's a good question. Well, first off, we're coming into their clinic during their hours while they're seeing patients. So I always want my liaisons to get in that mindset. You're not entitled to a visit and you're not entitled to a referral because your name is physician liaison. You're a guest. Um, so you have to understand that there is a respect level. I don't care if the physician's being rude. Like we're not out there to bully our way in and be entitled to information, but it does happen. And you're right. And it can happen. But you and I were talking actually before the podcast about, you know, making the best time of use. And, and a physician once told me, um, I do a lot of physician interviews. I, I work really, really hard in researching the world of physician needs on marketing. And, and I talk with physicians across the country. And one of them said, the reason physicians don't always like interruptions is because they feel like they're being sold to and not served. And every opportunity with a physician, and if you're in that experience with maybe they're cold, it's an iron wall, they don't want to refer to you, is an opportunity to gain feedback for your program. There may be a reason they feel that way. It could be because of a past referral issue that was never fixed that maybe you're able to find a solution to. Like, did you know that Dr. Jones stopped referring to us because of you know this problem and this problem? Are you willing to come down yourself as the physician, shake hands with him, apologize and get to know it. Or maybe it's just, maybe this physician just doesn't want you in their office taking time away from patients and didn't think you created value in that moment. Or maybe the relationship just isn't there as well. So I always tell them, shake it off and move on. Not every relationship is something worth pursuing, but every moment is an opportunity for you to gain feedback and ask targeted questions and understand maybe the possibility of why that physician feels that way and what they're telling you. So there's still a lot of value add there. There could be a potential to save it. And of course, remember, physicians have very limited time and patient care is first. And if we get that time in front of them, we better be able to produce value. And I don't want them to feel sold. I want them to feel served. Yeah, it's an excellent point. I think if it's the same with patients that you could very easily turn this disgruntled, not easily, but you could turn this disgruntled physician into one of your biggest referrers if you can figure out if they're Why? disgruntled specifically yeah. with something that, that relates to you. Yeah. Right? Sometimes the, quote, difficult patients can become your biggest evangelists because you were finally the one that was able to address what they were really asking when maybe it wasn't you know, they weren't being so clear about what it was. They well, were. and I know you've seen that, of course, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure you have patients that know a whole lot more that have a lot of opinions maybe on, on things like that. And even as a physician, I'm sure you've even had moments where you're like, you know, can I just get 10 minutes on my own? You know, why is this person here? And, and, and those confusing feelings. So when you do get negative feedback from a physician, let's say you get a phone call from a physician about one of your liaisons. Mm-hmm. How do you handle that? Yeah, that's important. So there's two types of negative feedback. If I'm getting negative feedback from a physician as far as internal processes or a failure in the referral system, um, I usually think that's an opportunity <laughs> because I'm like, oh, wow, did you guys know that this fax number is not, or you know, whatever the issue is, or did you know that they're not getting their notes? It's an opportunity to turn things around. But if I'm getting negative feedback on the behavior or the appropriateness of a physician liaison, you definitely always have to investigate it. Um, it's very uncommon, but you want to understand is the lead, what is going on in the liaison and where did I as the leader, consultant and trainer misstep or make a, a, a mistake as far as guiding them to successful steps that they need to make in the field. But I have had a physician call me before uh, about a certain liaison and um, you know how they felt the situation went. And most importantly, I want them to feel heard. I want them to know that it's being addressed immediately and very seriously. 
And then it is confronted with the liaison because both sides of the story matter. And then as far as taking the next steps and correcting that situation, and especially if it's going to represent the specialist, I always say if the specialist can also get involved to make sure that that referring physician feels heard and that their needs are being taken seriously. But it's worth investigating and evaluating because there are two sides to every story. Definitely, definitely escalate. That makes sense. What about if the feedback is about the services that the liaison represents? So they're actually complaining about like the doctor or- Oh, not, okay, the okay. Or, uh, no, 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 that's, you answered the question, but now I'm changing the question a little bit. So now it's not feedback about that liaison specifically, but feedback about, the services that the liaison is representing. So either the doctor or the office or something like that. This, this, this referring, potentially referring doctor or previously referring doctor is not happy with what's right. happened in the past. That is 100% going to happen every single time. So if any liaisons are listening or physicians are listening, it always happens. And that's the good part of a physician liaison marketing program is because you're sending them out there to gain insight, feedback, provide communication, build relationships. And part of that means you're probably going to hear some negative feedback, which is again, a referring physician giving you the opportunity to make corrections and fix these situations. And they're relying on that liaison to do the job that they said they did when they took their time out of clinic and provide value. So a liaison is there not only to get the communication, but we can take action because we're not seeing patients. So our role is to be responsive. So when negative feedback comes in, I've always been, I know it sounds bad, but kind of a fan of the fact that this is such a huge opportunity as a physician liaison to show why this role is so crucial for both the specialist and the referring provider. And the second part of the negative feedback is I always say have the specialist involved in first contact as well. It shows a point of, again, feeling heard and listened to. And then as a liaison, everything needs to be ASAP with negative feedback. You don't get to have negative feedback and come back six weeks later and be like, I know you told me about this. So I wanted to let you know we fixed that. No, it's all about being actionable in the moment and making sure you're correcting the situations. Where it can get awkward is a lot of negative feedback can do with some internal systems or other staff members and not necessarily the physician. And that's unfortunate, but you do have to bring it to the attention of your administrative and executive team. It doesn't mean anyone's in trouble. It just means we need to work on these three areas. And what are we going to do immediately to correct, fix, and let our referring physicians know that we have taken control of this situation? Sometimes it can be that they're switched to different departments. They're on hold. Nobody answers. Someone was rude. People get upset about insurance. So you need to fix and correct these. Identify the issue. Work with your administrative staff. Have the specialist present and make sure that the referring physicians know that they're heard. And use this opportunity to show that as a liaison, I can make this happen quickly, effectively, and fix this issue and get you in touch with who you need to be in touch with. And that's how you can prove value. A bad response is one time I was working with a, a group and I got three negative feedbacks in one day, which was very odd. And I thought, this is not good. <laughs> There's actually something going wrong internally here. And when I brought it up to the physician, the physician said, well, they're just assholes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I thought, yeah. And I knew internally with that program, they had had problems, turnover problems with the front desk and administrators. So there were new people kind of in and out of the office, which meant training was a little bit off. So we were definitely struggling in that area. And that was the wrong response. Yeah. And it's unfortunate because the liaison's reputation is on the line at that point, because now I can't go back. If we're not willing to fix it, don't go back. 
Yeah. Not go back and waste their time again with no solution. So I think that also gets back to what you were saying, what we were talking about earlier about pain points, right? Like the liaison should be going to the doctor's office, referring doctor, knowing what their likely pain points are and saying like, this is how I can help you. But in this situation with the negative feedback, what's happening is you don't have, they're doing the work for you. They're telling you what those pain points are. Yeah. So so now your job is to go back and say, thank you for letting me know. I will, you know, go back and address that and I will let you know how it's been addressed. Oh yes, exactly. I'm close the loop. Yes. Close the loop. I think it's fun because you're like, finally, like I can do something. I can fix. And then they're going to say, wow, that was really helpful and valuable. Now I understand the role of the liaison better. So no, I agree. It's all about opportunity, actually. When it comes yeah, to- don't close the loop by saying, so my referring doctor said you're a dick and <laughs> right? uh, yeah. that's going to be the end of that. Yep, and, yeah. and, and honestly, too, just to add a moment on that, as a liaison, if that does happen with you, you have to remember it is your reputation in the future then when you come in, even if you work for someone else later, you have to remember how to handle those situations as well. Tell us about Entropy.com and KellyNot.com. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for asking. So Entropy Healthcare Marketing is solely focused on healthcare marketing. So we've helped physicians, medical practices, healthcare professionals and hospitals scale and grow their programs. And, and my husband is my partner. And he's really honestly the digital marketing genius at Entropy. But uh, we're growth partners is what we like to say. Um, it's all about patient-centric focus marketing. It's not about you. It's about them. And we help these physicians find their voice and get in front of patients with their digital footprint and online and and get that competitive edge. And you can find it at entropy.com. It's I-N-T-R-E-P-Y.com. And then Physician Liaison University is my amazing, my little child, business child. Uh, It's the first ever Physician Liaison training course that's online. And I built it so that liaisons can access it from anywhere at any time. We'll have, you know, 365 days access to training resources, referral validations, webinars, training modules, bonus modules, live Q&As. And then I have cheat sheets in there. So they get project plans and downloads. And I use real life examples of, of, of what I did in the field as well as resources. So it's amazing. And then my favorite part about it is this private community that I built of just physician liaisons that are part of PLU from across the country that are, it's amazing. They're just sharing everything and opening the conversation on physician liaison marketing and even connecting with one another to share referrals back and forth. So they're getting their physicians in front of physicians. So it's pretty amazing. And I I love it so much. And you can find that it's physician liaison university, and you can find it at kellynot.com. And that's Kelly with an EY and it's knott.com. And there will be links to both of those in the show notes. Well, Kelly Knott, I really appreciate you taking the time. This has been a great conversation. Yeah, thank you so much. Great questions. That was Dr. Bradley Block at the Physician's Guide to Doctoring. He can be found at physiciansguidetodoctoring.com or wherever you get your podcasts. If you have a question for a previous guest or have an idea for a future episode, send a comment on the webpage Also, please be sure to leave a five-star review on your preferred podcast platform. We'll see you next time on the Physician's Guide to Doctoring.